It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning and evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Oh, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake. Rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, trembling over 
y'all, we are so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Um, and, and we wanted to just share for a second because Vera and I got back from China yesterday. And, and I'll tell you that this Easter is especially meaningful for us, having come from a place where we were literally talking to people who had never heard the name of Jesus before. And so this morning we celebrate a risen Savior, and we celebrate that we get to worship Him freely, and we celebrate that we get to know not only his name, but his great power and mercy and love towards us that is evidenced by his death and resurrection that brings us into relationship with God. And we are so glad you're here to celebrate with that with us this morning. And we are so grateful that, that we now know people in China who know the name of Jesus. And, and, and we pray that they will call on his name even this morning. I, I pray today that... Um, that you would truly worship. You know something about God that millions, billions of people in the world are aching to know. That He exists, that He loves you, and that a relationship with Him, which is your greatest need and desire in life, whether or not you know it, recognize it or not, you need God. And it is possible for you to know God through Jesus. Because he is alive. If he weren't alive, this would all just be a hoax. But he is alive. And we have everything to celebrate this morning because he is alive and he has made a way for us to know God. And I'm telling you this morning, if you don't worship, put your hand in the air, sing loud, do whatever you need to do to make it real this morning. Because you're celebrating the living God. And if you don't celebrate, Jesus said the very rocks will cry out because he is great and he is worthy to be praised. Amen? So we are celebrating this morning. I, who, just forget the people around you. Forget what you look like. Just worship today, okay? Let's pray. God, we love you. We celebrate you this morning because you have made a way, God, for us to know you, God. We did not deserve it. We could never pay the price, but God, you loved us. You gave your son, Jesus. He is the payment for our sin. And we praise you this morning, God, for your love, for your faithfulness, God, for your kindness, for your grace, for your mercy, God, for your life, new life that comes through Jesus. We give ourselves to you, God, freely today, Lord. We lay ourselves down. We submit our pride. Lord, we repent of our sin. God, we owe you our hearts. And so we bring you our hearts this morning, celebrating who you are, and all that you have done, God. Thank you for the New Life Sunday. 
Thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to sing out, God. May this day be a true day of worship for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Darkness comes to light. Oh. 
Father, we just worship you this morning. Let's just take a moment, just as we continue on in worship, just to still our hearts. Just to ask the Father, through his Son, Jesus, just to come and minister to us in his Holy Spirit, just to come and minister to us in this place. Just take a moment, just to silence, just between you and the Lord.
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it out, church. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And how precious is the Lord
Have a seat. I'm sorry. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Luke twenty four thirteen through 35, on the road to Emmaus. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to where they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in with them to stay. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us to the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Luke 24, 36 through 49, Jesus appears to his disciples. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise, be proclaimed from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Luke 24, 50-53 Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I praise you, Lord. I praise you for your death and your resurrection. Lord, I thank you so much for this gift of eternal life that you have given us through your sacrifice. Death has no hold on you. It has no hold on us anymore. And I pray that this would weigh upon our hearts if we do not yet know you, Lord, that we would come to know you and come to realize the enormity of this sacrifice and what it means for our lives. I pray that we would go out and share it with the whole world and let them know that salvation is here and that there is no longer any suffering 
in you. Lord, I pray that you would be with the word that is going to be spoken to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, good morning. Good morning. I, uh, worship was so incredible this morning that we could almost go home, but we won't. Uh, I know you're excited. Um, Michelle and I got back uh, late last night uh, from China, and it was like a 22-hour journey, and Saturday for, felt like three days, and uh, I woke up this morning, and I thought, you know what? Uh, Jesus is alive because I just woke up, (laughs) and uh, so first proof of the resurrection, here I am. So anyway, just kidding, but uh, we had an incredible trip, and uh, we just are so grateful for your prayers. We'll be sharing with you soon more about the trip, uh, but as we expressed just a little bit ago, what you know of God, don't take for granted. You know more about God than the majority of this world knows right now. Be happy. Celebrate the fact that you have access to God because you have heard the great news of Jesus. Amen? Don't take that for granted. Don't take it for granted. Be. Celebrate life. (laughs) Celebrate the fact that you know Christ and that you, at some point, have had the opportunity to hear. Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. Amen. This is New Life Sunday. As Brad Johnson told me earlier, I said, Happy Easter. He said, No, Happy Resurrection Day, right? Don't get this day confused with all of the Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and chocolate and all of that stuff. This is a day to celebrate new life, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. He is risen. We got to work on that. (laughs) Man, how awesome. How beautiful, how true the statement that he is alive. It is the most wonderful reality in the world. It is not an idea to be contemplated. This is a reality to be celebrated. Let me say this again. The resurrection of Jesus is not an idea just to be contemplated. It is a reality of history, a real thing that has happened in real time that still exists in absolute reality today that should be celebrated by the world and by you. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. You're getting better. But the question I want to ask you today, it's not enough just to hear that He is risen. It's not enough just to say it with your mouth. 
He is risen indeed. I want to know today, have you ever truly responded to the reality of the resurrection, the new life in Jesus? Have you ever truly responded to the news that He is alive? He is not in the tomb anymore. He is risen. He ascended into heaven. He reigns now. It's not enough just to sit around and think about it. It's not enough just to sit around and say it with your lips. It's not enough just to sit here in church today and supposedly celebrate it. But I want to know, have you ever in your heart of hearts truly responded to the message? Because it's not about hearing. It's about the response that makes all the difference. Amen? There are a lot of people today who hear the news of the resurrection of Jesus and have never, ever, never truly responded to what they have heard in a way that brings life. And let me tell you, your response makes all the difference. And for those of you who are thinking, oh yeah, well I'm a Christian, I've made a response at some point in my life. No, I'm talking to you too. Because the response that the Bible talks about us making to the resurrection of Jesus is not just a one-time response. It is a daily response that we are to make that Jesus is alive. Every day, we should be making response to God based on the news that Jesus is alive, that He is risen. And I want to know, does that response, is that response found in you? Well, you say, well, bear it. How am I supposed to know? (laughs) How do I know if I've responded? I feel like I've responded. I'm here in church today. I'm celebrating Easter. I mean, come on, what you want? Look how good I look. Isn't this some kind of response? Come on, give me a break. Well, I'll ask you this. If Jesus were not alive, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, would your life look any different? If you found out today that Jesus didn't really rise, he's not really alive, he's not in heaven. Would your life look any different? Well, maybe I wouldn't go to church on Sunday, but outside of showing up to church, would your life on a practical day-to-day basis look any different? Would your heart, would your hope, would your faith look any different? Or would you just continue to do exactly what you're doing just without the news of Jesus being alive? Let me tell you, friend, if your life would look no different if you found out that Jesus were not alive, then you have never responded to the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, for those who have truly responded to it in faith, it changes everything. And if it were proven not true, for those who have truly responded, it would bring devastation. It would bring you to a ruin. But let me tell you, there are a lot of people today who if they found out it weren't true, they would just keep on keeping on almost exactly like what they're doing, minus church attendance. And let me tell you, that indicates that maybe you have never 
responded to the news that Jesus is alive. And maybe you're not continually responding to it in the way that God would have you to do. Everybody tracking? The question I want to ask you today again. The news comes. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's true. He's alive. He is alive. How do you respond? There are a lot of people in the world today, let me just tell you, that much like the women that go to the tomb in Luke chapter 24, there in the first few verses, we see the women go to the tomb. They go to Jesus as if he's dead. A lot of, some people hold Jesus as some kind of hero figure. It doesn't matter if he's alive because he's just a hero, kind of like Shakespeare, Hercules. A hero of history. Oh, Jesus, what a great hero. Let me tell you, friend, if that's you, you've got a problem. Because Jesus is not a hero of the past. He's a reality of the present that you've got to do something with. A lot of people, in another way, go to Jesus and they say, well... Jesus is somebody to be studied. Uh, this morning, this morning, I got on CNN.com. It's a daily routine that I have in the morning to make sure that our world is still existing. <laughs> Front cover article, CNN.com, was an article about Jesus. Let me tell you what the guy said. This is on Easter Sunday now. This tells you, Exactly how people view Jesus in our world. I'm not just making this up. If I said to you that there was no real good Samaritan, I don't think anybody would be outraged. I don't think Jesus ever existed. It's a teaching story. What we're saying is that Jesus' story is an allegory. It's a parable of the spiritual journey. Does it even matter if Jesus existed? Can't people derive inspiration from his teachings whether he actually walked on the earth? You see what a, a, a huge portion of our country today thinks like this. That Jesus' life, oh, it's good, and we should study it. We should look at his teachings. We should unpack it. Even other faiths say, will point to the Gospels and say, oh, yeah, there's some good teachings here. We should study it. And I'm telling you, in a lot of our churches today, there are more study groups than there are prayer groups. And this is the main reason why, is because people think that he should be studied, and they fail to see that Jesus is alive, and he shouldn't be studied, he should be related to. This is why we like to study him more than we like to pray to him, because we don't understand sometimes that he's alive. He's not someone in the past who's dead, who should be studied. He's someone in the present who's real and alive, who we should have a relationship with. Yes, study Jesus. Yes, there's truth in the Word. But let me tell you, God doesn't want a head full of knowledge. He wants a heart that's right. And if all you're doing is packing your head with knowledge and you fail, if you, negle if you neglect your heart, you have nothing. That's why Isaiah says the people... Worship me with their lips, but they worship in vain because their hearts are far from me. But a lot of people approach Jesus that way. Another group of people approaches Jesus as like the example. 
the prime example for us today. Oh, look at his life. We should imitate his life. But there's another problem with that. What is it? Well, it's the same reason uh, we were on a plane yesterday. Birds gave the example for thousands and thousands of years before the art of flying was ever discovered. Uh, we had some students in China try to teach us how to paint these Chinese characters, right? And they were sitting over there to the right trying to show us how to do this thing. And it was so complicated and so complex, there was no way I could ever get it right. The example failed me. The only way I could get it right was when the person who knew how to do it took my hand, put their hand over my hand, and led me to do what was absolutely perfect. The same thing is true with Jesus. You can't live up to his example. The book of Galatians says that if you fail the law, if you fail to keep just one thing, then you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. No one is perfect. No, not even one. All have gone astray. All have gone far away. The only way to live up to the standard of God is for Jesus, the only one who has kept the standard of God, to live his standard through you. Jesus is not a hero of the past. He's not someone to be studied. He's not the perfect example to be admired. It's another group of people hold Jesus as, they're just skeptical in general. They're totally skeptical. I just don't believe it. It can't be true. The main reason people are skeptical about it I saw a documentary uh, last week. All these people, they've done all this research to try to find, all these people are trying to find the bones of Jesus. Why do you think there's so much interest in trying to disprove Christianity? It makes absolutely no sense, except for the fact that people are looking for a way to get out of the authority that Christ places on their life if he indeed is alive from the dead. People don't want to believe it because if it's true, then you have to do something about it. If he's alive from the dead, if he is the God-man, then you must respond to him. That means he has authority over your life, and you don't want authority over your life. You want to be your own authority. So a lot of people are skeptical. They keep themselves away. But let me tell you, my view of the resurrection the biblical view of the resurrection and the view of those who've experienced new life in Christ all over this world. It's real. It's historical. It really happened. Jesus is really alive. It's not just an idea. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not some heroic thing. Jesus is a really alive. He was a real man documented in real history. He really lived a perfect life. He really went to the cross to take the punishment for your sins and my sins. He was really nailed between His hands and His feet. He really died a horrible, excruciating death. Hundreds of people saw it. They saw Him taken off of the cross, dead as a doornail. They saw Him put into the tomb a huge stone rolled over it. In the tomb for three days, guarded by soldiers, accounted to by Jewish historians. 
he was really dead. And on the third day, he really came alive. Amen? Hundreds of people saw him. He appeared not once, not twice, but many, many, many times. We have it documented in history. We have it documented with four writers in the Bible. And the greatest testament to his life today is the life that is lived in me. I know Jesus. I've talked to him this morning. He's real. He's alive. He's alive. And let me tell you, I view Jesus as the living God. Because if he is alive, if he came back from the dead, and he did, then everything changes for me. And let me tell you how I view the resurrection. If it is not true, my life will fall apart. If it was proven untrue, everything in my life would go to ruin. Because I have built my life on the reality that Jesus is alive. All of my hope, all of my faith, all of my future, all of my planning, all of my money, everything revolves around this one central reality that He's alive and my life is owed to Him. And I wonder about you. I wonder how you respond to Jesus, the news that He is alive. Let me just point out a few things from Scripture, just really quickly. Why I, why my entire life is built on the resurrection. It's similar to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. If this is proven untrue, then our faith is in vain. That's what he said. If the resurrection didn't happen, then you just should go home right now. Take off your pretty clothes. Don't come back. Because if he's not living, then the whole thing is a lie. And your faith is in vain. But let me tell you, he is living. And your faith is not in vain. He's alive. And let me just tell you why his resurrection is so important. And for you Bible students, I want you to write down the scripture verses. Because remember I told you that every day you should be responding to the resurrection. Write down these verses because then you can actually have tools in your toolbox to respond to the resurrection where you can look these up later, go back and contemplate on them, study them, and see why his new life is such a big deal. First one is this, and we're going to fly through these, so bear with me. First, Jesus is proven to be the Son of God in power. Because Jesus is alive, it proves to the world that he is who he says he is. He claimed to be the Son of God, And because he rose from the dead, as he predicted that he would, he is the Son of God in power. Romans 1.4, he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 1, think on what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those of us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, And he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things. Let me tell you what the resurrection proves and what you should rejoice in daily and how you should respond. It proves that Jesus is the Son of God. 
that God has given him all power in all of the world. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is God, that he has absolute control. And let me tell you, friends, I want you to respond to him here and now rather than after it's too late. Bow your knee. Lower your head because Jesus is God and he has authority over you. You fall into that dominion there. He has rule and authority and power and dominion over every name. And guess what? You have a name. He has authority over you. Because he's alive, he's proven to be the son of God in power. Secondly is this. Jesus can forgive sins and make you clean. Because Jesus is alive, because he's alive and risen from the dead, he can forgive your sins. And he can make you clean. Oh, this is good news for dirty people like me. This is good news for somebody like me who knows he's a sinner, who knows he's fallen far short of the standard that God has placed. All of us are aware that we've fallen short. And we all try to do things to get right with God. But let me tell you, you can't live in a system where your good outweighs your bad because the bad still must be punished no matter how much there is. Jesus has taken the penalty for your sin on the cross. He died for your sin. He gave himself for you. And his resurrection proves that he can forgive your sin because it proves that his atonement was accepted by God. If he had stayed dead, that would mean that God did not accept his sacrifice for sin. If Jesus were dead today, that would mean that there was no forgiveness because it was prophesied that God would raise from the dead the one who would complete the atonement. But Jesus did raise from the dead, which means he did complete the atonement, which means in his blood is life for you. He can make you clean. Romans 4. It will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus from the dead, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But let me tell you, He has been raised. He's alive. And therefore, He can forgive your sins. His work is complete. Trust Him with your life. Y'all there, I know, I know there are people in this room who have never received cleansing from their sins. They are living in their sin and you're trying your best to work your way out of the mess that you're in. You can't work hard enough. You can't do enough. There is only one who can do that for you. It is Jesus who died for you. He is the only one. His blood is the only blood that can cleanse you. Trust Him. Believe in Him. Third is this. Because He is risen, peace is now possible with God. See, you in your sin are at enmity with God. Your sin separates you from God. There is no peace possible if Jesus is dead. But if Jesus is alive, He is your peace. He makes it possible for God to reconcile Himself to you. 
Luke 24, 36, Jesus came into the room. We just heard it there. And he said to his disciples, what was the first thing he said? Peace to you. I'm telling you, I know you long for peace. I know it. In your spirit, there's anxiousness. You're searching always for rest, deep rest in your soul. You're not at peace with God until you know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you're at total peace with God, others, and even yourself. Romans 5.1 says, Since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive, and so therefore, you have peace. Amen? Next one. There is power. Because He is alive, there is power and new life and living hope in him. 1 Peter 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How does hope come in your life? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You would have absolutely no reason to hope. Let me just say, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand how important the resurrection is. You would have no basis for hope in this life or the next if Jesus were dead. You would have no basis. What would you hope in? But if Jesus is alive, you have everything to hope in. Amen? And he is alive. He is the basis of your hope because he is with God now. And he has power to give you new life. And let me tell you, this is good news for people like me who often find themselves in despair. Dead people cannot bring life. Only God can bring life. And many people here in this room are dead on the inside. Dead, dead, dead. And you cannot bring life to yourself. There's only one who can, and it's God. And He's done it because of the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because He came alive from the dead, He can give your dead heart new life. Isn't that awesome news? Come on, people. Y'all are my friends. Isn't that awesome news? Your heart would not be beating alive spiritually if Jesus were not raised from the dead. But because God raised Him from the dead, He can take your heart and do the same thing. Your heart is dead in sin until you believe in Christ, and then God takes your heart, which is dead, and He makes it alive forever, just like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? This is a reason to celebrate. Romans 6, 4, We were buried, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so you too might walk in newness of life. You can experience new life every day because He's alive. He's alive He's alive. Oh, it's awesome. One more. Maybe two more or three. I don't know. Because he's alive, Jesus has defeated death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's the words from 1 Corinthians 15. It is now possible to be raised to live forever with God. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 15. But when this perishable 
will have put on the imperishable. This mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Listen, you're going to die. This is a reality of life. You will die. It might be this afternoon. It might be tomorrow. It might be five years ago when the doc- five years from now when the doctor walks in and says, you have cancer. Like my friend Tammy this last year, and in three months she was dead. It could be 20 years from now, but you don't know when it is. Death is coming for you. But there's great news because Jesus is alive. He has conquered death. And for those who are in Christ, death is nothing. It's just a gateway into more life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Guys, this is not a joke. I believe that when I die, if somebody came in right now and shot me, in an instant, my spirit would be with God. Death doesn't have a hold on my life. I'm not scared to die. Well, I'm a little bit scared. (laughs) But everybody's a little bit fearful. But when I am most in tune with the Spirit of God, I have no fear of death. Does that make sense? I have no fear of death because death has no more hold because Jesus has conquered death. He's a victor over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? It doesn't have any more. Thanks be to God who raised Jesus from the dead. And now that I'm in Jesus, death can't take anything from me because my spirit is with God forever. Amen? Amen. And the other thing that's great is those who have already died in Christ... Because Jesus is alive, those who you love who have died in Christ are with God now. What an awesome reality. If he were not raised from the dead, this would not be true. But he is raised from the dead. He is alive. And those who are in Christ are alive in him forever. Death has no more hold on you. Because he's alive. Next slide. And we can now enjoy his spirit and his fellowship always. In Luke 24, we read it earlier, he walks into the room with his disciples and he says to them, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you're clothed with high. The promise that he's talking about is the promise of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus had not died, been resurrected from the dead, there would be no Holy Spirit to be with you right now if you are in Christ. There would be no spirit, there would be no power to clothe you from on high. But because he's living, because he ascended to the right hand of God, and because God gave him the power to pour out upon those who believe, there is the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful to know the Holy Spirit, to know the comfort of his presence, to feel the groaning within? Okay, maybe I'm alone. I think it's wonderful to know the surpassing peace and presence of God with me right now. It's wonderful. I pray that you experience it and you enjoy it. This is something that God gives you, and he gives it to you because Jesus was raised from the dead. Behold, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. Next slide. Jesus now intercedes for us in heaven. Because he's alive, he can minister to you. He can meet your needs. He intercedes for you in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews 4 says, since then, now we have a great high priest. He's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Because of this, we can hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, right? Because I know that there is nothing impossible with God. Because Jesus, who is at his right hand, is pleading on my behalf. In the worst situations in life, in the most tragic and the hardest times, in the most lonely, I know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father who loves me, and he is pleading my case on my behalf. He loves me. He cares for me. He offers grace. He offers help. He offers his friendship. He offers advocacy. All of this because he rose from the dead. And if he hadn't risen, you wouldn't have help. Forget praying. But if he is alive, pray because he hears you and he can answer your prayers. One more. Maybe two. Now, because Jesus is alive, our lives have value, purpose, and mission. Your life would have no value. You would have no significance. Like the people that we just left a little bit ago, many of them did not understand because they have no awareness of God. Many of them did not understand the value of their life. Why do you live? Why do I exist? There's no purpose to anything without the reality of God doing something through you. And the only way for God to do something through you is if you are in Christ. And the only way for you to be in Christ is if he is alive from the dead. So therefore, his resurrection brings value, purpose, and significance to your life. Luke 24, he says, says to his disciples after he shows up, he says, look, you are now witnesses of these things. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, look, because of the resurrection, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Let me tell you, if I'm afflicted for the gospel, it's not in vain. I am not to be pitied. Don't feel sorry for me if I suffer for the sake of Christ. Because Jesus is alive, and he's using me for purposes beyond me. Amen? My life has value now, not because I'm somebody cool. No, that was kind of awkward. <laughs> no. You know why my life has value? Because he's living in me and working through me to create value in my life. I'm telling you, folks, you need to celebrate the resurrection because if it weren't for him living, your life would be nothing. And several of you have no significance right now because you're not living in awareness of Christ. You're trying to create significance on your own, and there will be no significance on your own. It will all go to waste in the end. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Next one. Jesus, because he's alive, Jesus will judge the living and the dead. Let me tell you, folks, this is important. Jesus is alive. And because of that, guess what you can know? He's coming back. He's coming back. And one day, whether you like it or not, you know what? God didn't ask your opinion when he decided what to do. 
Some of you are like, well, he's not going to judge me because I don't want him to. Oh, yes, he will because you don't decide your fate. God does. He's going to judge you whether you want it or not. And he's going to judge you on the basis of your faith in Christ. Because he is alive, we know he will judge the living and the dead. He is the one with total authority. Acts 17, 30, 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, Jesus, whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. How do we know that Jesus will judge the world? Because he raised him from the dead. It's a guarantee. And therefore, folks, this is my conclusion. I want to know. Have you responded to the news that Jesus is alive? Because Jesus is alive, the gospel is true. And he makes possible repentance and forgiveness of sin. I'm not asking you today whether or not this is true. It is true. This is a reality. He's alive. All of these promises are yes and amen in Jesus for those who believe. I'm not asking you if this is true. It is true. What I'm asking you is have you responded to the truth that he is alive? Is this a reality in your life? Does all of your hope, all of your faith, all of your dreams, all of your future, all of your money, does it depend on this reality? It should. Because our only hope of love, of forgiveness, of grace, of new life, of power, of help, of mercy, of no death, our only hope is in the fact that Jesus is living today. He is not dead. He is alive. How should you respond today? Should you worship? Should you repent and believe? It's God's desire for everyone to be saved, and it is possible if you will just turn to Him, call out into His name, say, Oh, Lord Jesus, save me. I repent of myself and my sins. I commit myself to you totally. Save me. Should that be your response today? Maybe you need to be more alive in your witness. Some of you folks have never shared the news of Jesus with anybody. And you've known him for years and you've never opened your mouth to say he's alive and because of that all this is possible. You've never done it. And let me tell you, the church that doesn't sin is not a church. The whole purpose of Jesus showing up to the disciples was so they could be witnesses of these things. Maybe you need to contemplate the fact that he's living and you need to start sharing in small ways, in little ways, big ways, whatever. Do what you can to share that he's alive and invite people to trust him. You have a message of salvation that you can share. Respond to him today. He is risen. He is risen. risen Praise God for Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We move into a time of response now, Lord. Help us to know that the resurrection is not an idea just to be thought about, God, but this is a reality that we must respond to. Every single person in this room has to make a decision 
what to do with the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. I pray today, God, that we would respond in faith and surrender. That we would believe, that we would have joy, that we would have passionate worship, God. That we would have lips that love to share and lives that love to lay ourselves down. For the sake of this awesome news. Jesus, you're alive and I praise you this morning for that, God. I give myself to you afresh. I confess, Lord, that I am a sinner, Lord, and that you have done everything needed to save me. I trust you, Jesus. I repent of my sins, Lord, and I place my faith in you again, God. You are awesome. My life is for you now, God. Thank you that you're living. Thank you that you have given us something to celebrate. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand. I'm here if you want to pray with me. If you want to come up here to the altar and pray, surrender afresh. If you want to make any decisions for this church or for your own life, you just come as the Spirit leads. into our time of giving as we continue in worship and uh, if you're visiting with us this morning we are so glad you're here we welcome you and uh, you're please don't feel that you need to give today just be our guest uh, if you, this is your church home uh, we I just invite you to continue in worship I am pr- I Michelle and I love giving to our church because when we give here we know that we are giving to real ministry that has significance that has value 25% of money that comes in here goes straight out the door to support ministries in our city or missions internationally. The rest covers the ministries that we do here in our church. And I just would encourage you to give happily this morning because your money has significance because Jesus is alive. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us so much. You have given us everything, Lord, life and breath and everything. It is yours, totally yours. Every dollar in my bank account, God, is yours. And I just... Pray, God, that you would help Michelle and I to be faithful with what we give. Lord, help us to give cheerfully and to give above what we can even afford, God, because we love to be a part of your work. I pray that for everybody here, God, use what is taken today for your kingdom in this city and around our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
great singing, guys. Uh, have a seat. We have a couple quick announcements, and then we will be dismissed. I'm going to stand there here with people my height, and that's going to be it. <laughs> First time guest, uh, we are so glad to have you. We will not be in your chair before the next concert, so you will have access to that very front body movement that's going to allow you to walk back and forth to your seat. And that also gives us a chance to not only see you, but to see the back row. So in the back, just in front of you, stand in that chair. We do have those chairs. So if you're your first time guest, you do have access to walk back and forth. So please uh, grab one of those before you leave. going to Guatemala to help uh, minister to a lot of people, including uh, the Los Pazosos uh, 